0: You're listening to an Zao Ministries Podcast. Have you ever wondered about the birth of Jesus Christ? Well, if you're looking for a podcast with all the answers about Jesus's birth and St. Nicholas, that's gonna help you better understand your faith, then you've come exactly to the wrong place. But if you're looking for a show that's gonna ask questions, struggle with differing opinions from smart theologians and leave you completely clueless, then you found the perfect show for you this holiday season. This is a show designed to give you more questions than answers. I'm Joshua Nolan. I'm just a dummy who loves God and theology and hopes to show my love for God by studying and thinking deeply about topics that people smarter than me have been thinking about for thousands of years. Today, we're not going to be diving deep into any specific theologian. We're going to be looking at a few of the different councils, a few of the different struggles that have been coming up in modern scholarship within Christianity and just kind of looking at the ideas of who's Jesus. Why does his birth matter? where did he come from? And, um, How does being fully God and fully man work if it's not 100% God and not 100% man, which is not, that's not what we're saying. Fully God, fully man. is not the same thing as 100%, 100%. that's two separate things, which we'll learn is a heresy. We're going to go over a couple different heresies today that were discussed in the early church. Why are they heresies and should we still consider them that now? I don't know, but we're going to look at it. We're going to think about these things. Um, As I mentioned, there's been a lot of different issues and debates around Jesus' birth and his character ever since Christianity began. Where was he really born? Is he fully God? And could he have changed? Was there a possibility that Jesus learned and changed or grew on his time on earth? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we're going to do something a little different than normal. You know, we're talking about Christmas. It's the holiday season. This episode's coming up uh, about a week, a little less than a week before Christmas Day in 2023, in the year of the, our Lord. So, we're going to be talking about Christmas and To be a little different, we're going to start with the three questions. I usually end the show with three practical questions you can take away and wrestle with on your own. We're going to start with three. I'm going to work backwards to get back to these three to let you know what we're talking about today. So we're going to be discussing these three questions. Number one, how do you understand Jesus as both king and foreigner? And how does this information, how does this inform your relation to God and others? So how do you understand Jesus as both king and foreigner? Number two. How does your view of Jesus's divinity impact your view of salvation and adoption into God's family? You know, we we believe that salvation part of what it means to be a Christian is that you are adopted into the family of God through Jesus, his son living in you. So how does this, your view of Jesus's divinity impact your view of salvation and adoption into God's family? And then number three, how passionate are you about the character of Jesus? Are you willing to punch a heretic in the face? Should you be willing? and do you even care at all do you discuss these things with others at all so these are the three things we're going to be talking about but let's uh let's step back we're going to come back to that at the end as usual for now let's discuss this jesus guy and what are some 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 big topics we're not going to just do one topic today we're going to go over three main that being jesus birthplace the nature or double nature or whatever of jesus and we're going to talk a little bit about Saint Nick maybe punching somebody at the Council of Nicaea. We'll see. So first, we're talking about Jesus and whether or not he is from Bethlehem. As the books of Matthew and Luke say, they have the story of Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem, a virgin, being born in a manger. We've all heard the Christmas story there. But the books of Mark and John often refer to Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth, that of something title suggests that is his birthplace. That is where he is from, Jesus of Nazareth. So, was Jesus born in Bethlehem or was he born in Nazarene? Um, a lot of scholarship today, when you see books even outside of the Bible talk about it, when we're doing archaeology, we see that it's Jesus of Nazareth. So, a lot of modern scholarship will say, yeah, he must have been born in Nazarene over by Galilee. And uh, the book of John even mentions that other people mention Bethlehem, but proceeds to call him Jesus of Nazarene, which is a little confusing. What there is note that there isn't really a lot of this debate in the early church. They kind of just accepted he was born in Bethlehem, but he was also from Nazarene. Both things are just true in the early church, they haven't really thought of it. It's more of a recent scholarship thing that we said, wait a minute, you don't say of something unless you're born from that place. So we're going to discuss that and why does it matter where Jesus was born? It actually does matter when you're talking about your Christology, your theology, what do you believe about Jesus and who he is? A lot of what you believe about his birth narrative is going to inform that. So we're going to discuss that. The other thing we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about Jesus and his one or two natures. Uh, is Jesus 100% God and 100% man? That means that Jesus is God, but Jesus is also man. That suggests two separate natures of Jesus, which is a heresy. There's a lot of different heresies that we're gonna, we could go over, we're not gonna go over all of them, but I do wanna go over a few that some of the first few councils of the church actually address directly. When we're talking about the nature of who is Jesus, which is the fundamental thing of what it means to be a Christian is understanding Jesus. Um, so yeah we can disagree about this we can have a hard time figuring it out for ourselves but we do need to look at some of these heresies and we do need to think about should this be heresy what do i think about this how do i feel about this for myself right so coming up first we would be talking about adoptionism Um, and that was a belief that jesus was born a human and then at his baptism god adopted him so at that point he became god the son of god all that stuff but up until then he was just normal regular human Um, That is a heresy called Adoptionism. Um, The next one is Gnosticism, uh, which was this belief that there was the Demiurge or Satan is like this dualistic evil thing. And then there's the good God, which is our God. And that Jesus was, you know, the supreme being of goodness that would come to defeat the Demiurge. Um, This was actually a really popular belief, even within some of some churches were struggling with this. Um, You see in the book of John, book of Revelation, third John different places in the Bible address Gnosticism head on saying, this is a heresy, this is evil, this is wrong. There is no dualistic thing. God made everything. Um, part of Gnosticism included a belief called, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation here, but I'm a dummy. So you can, you know, you know, just roll with it. Uh, docetism, which is that the belief that Jesus appeared to be here, but he was really just a spirit. So what we thought we saw was a real human being amongst us, but it was actually just spirit. Um, it's another thing we're going to have to talk about. Uh, the, the, let, me, let me address why some of these are problems. Actually, we'll go ahead and address it now. We'll get into it more later. But the reason adoptionism is an issue is if Jesus was not born God, if Jesus did not live a perfect life, he could not be the perfect sacrifice. Which means even if he had sinned ahead of time and then God adopted him and he didn't sin after that point, if he had any blemish, any sin at all, then he couldn't be the perfect sacrifice for me. The perfect sacrifice has had to be one who has no sin, but took on all of our sin to die and then come back again. Um, it's because of how our theology builds up on Old Testament. This is why the Old Testament is actually important, not something we can just do away with, because we have to understand what does it mean when we talk about sacrifice? What did a sacrifice have to be to be the ultimate sacrifice? There was plenty of sheep that were pretty much perfect. They're pretty good. You know, there are plenty of other sacrifices but none of them were sufficient because none of them were perfect and none of them were God. So for Jesus to be born human, then he's not fully God. Which not only means he doesn't have command over death, he doesn't have command over sin, because he was not fully God, so that is a problem with this belief. But the other belief problem would be he couldn't be the perfect sacrifice if he had been imperfect at one point. Um, Now, there are still a lot of arguments for this, because you do see in the Bible where you see Jesus as a kid being corrected from his parents, so maybe he wasn't perfect, maybe he did learn. Um, maybe this supports beliefs like, oh, you hear from Dr. Thomas Award that God does change. God learns. God isn't omnipotent. God has this ability to grow and change and interact and react to things that happen with us. And since Jesus is God, he also is able to do that. That would be one explanation for this. Another one is adoptionism. Even though it was pronounced a heresy, the thing was it was trying to account for how Jesus behaved as a kid, how he needed correction, how he grew how he went with John the Baptist. And you know, a lot of the texts in the Bible kind of suggest that Bond the Baptist almost discipled Jesus. Why did Jesus need to learn? Why did Jesus grow? Why did Jesus submit to someone else unless he wasn't fully God up until the baptism? And that's when we start his his ministry starts and he starts proclaiming that he is the son of God. That's where the belief comes from. Um, I see it. I see where it came from. I see the merited thoughts behind it. I also see why it was considered a heresy. And since the whole church as a whole, came together to agree that this was a heresy. Um, I'm humbled by that, and I submit to what the church has adopted with the Nicene Creed and other creeds we're going to talk about later, so I also will believe and agree that this is, in fact, a heresy. It's called adoptionism. Um, Gnosticism, what we mentioned earlier, for there to be an equal being to God means that God does not have the supreme authority over what is good or evil. You know what I Like, God can't be the supreme authority. There must be something out there, he can't be a sovereign, which means he can't have taken the authority to save all of us, which means there would be equal chance for evil or good to win. I mean, there's a lot of problems with dualism. Also the problem of docetism being part of that, where Jesus was just a spirit who just appeared to be here. The Bible talks about a very physical death that he paid a physical price. And if that were the case and with all the disciples and the stuff around Jesus, who we know historically paid physical prices and deaths then it does not make sense to think that Jesus wasn't really here, that there wasn't a physical body that also suffered. Because otherwise, why would anybody else choose to suffer also physically, unless they had encountered that? You know, the Bible's very intentional. of people touched his wounds, people saw Jesus in the flesh and before them. So that's why this Gnosticism, Gnosticism, important that it is that we do consider this a heresy. Um, and actually, I don't. I don't see a lot of credence to it, other than just you know, kind of seems sometimes like there's good and evil in the world, which means dualism. Like, I don't see any logical or biblical things to support those beliefs. So I'm just yeah, heresy creed right, all on board. Adoptionism, I see where it came from, but I'm with the creeds. Still think that's a heresy. Next, one I want to talk about is Nestorianism. And that is this belief that there was two separate natures. So that is 100% God, 100% man, that there was God and man. They were in the same place, coinciding in Jesus. The reason this is considered heresy is because that would mean that there was two natures of Jesus and that they could have not been in union. They could have not perfectly been the same, which would mean that Jesus would have this conflict, that Jesus wasn't perfect and Jesus. In order to be the perfect sacrifice has to be perfect. So again, I I see where they're coming from. You're trying to make sense of how can someone be God and man. Oh, it must be two natures in one. So there's just these two separate natures embodied in Jesus. I see where it's coming from. I also see why it has to be heresy. Jesus has to be perfect to be the perfect sacrifice. So yeah, let's do away with that. Um, Again, another, all of these were addressed in the first few creeds of the early church. So you can look up all these are really interesting. Especially if you just look up like the Nicene creed in the, um, the Athanasian creed, you'll see like where they came from and what they were addressing. Um, Modify site, this is like the last real one we're going to address is um, it's this belief that he was fully God. He just had a physical body. He only had one nature. That one nature was just God. He was just God who just happened to have a physical body. Um, That denies Jesus's humanity. That denies that he went through everything we went through, that he had a human aspect that he could suffer as a human on behalf of us. Um, The reason this is a heresy is if he was just God who happened to have a human body, then he was not human. He could not sacrifice for all humans without having that human nature and human experience. So he had to also be fully human in order to suffer on our behalf as a human. To go along with that, that they also try to explain it with monothelitism. I might also be pronouncing that incorrectly. Again, I am a dummy. I just know how to spell things. I just don't. I don't know how to say them. Sorry. Maybe I shouldn't be doing a podcast. Uh, Monothelitism is there is only one. You know, he doesn't have. He doesn't have different natures, different abilities, whatever. There's only one will. So, so basically he does have the two natures he's fully God he's fully man but he only has one will his will is God's will and that is it he doesn't will a human will um, but that denies the serious temptations the a lot of the lessons we learn of Jesus as a human you know for Jesus to have suffered like we did he had to have the same temptations that we had which means he had to have that human will being put in subject to his divine will so the reason this is a heresy so even though they acknowledge that God is Fully, that Jesus was fully God and fully man, the two natures, they're saying he only had one will, that is the divine will. Well, that can't be either because then his human will wasn't there to be put in subjection to, which means all the temptations, all the things that were told he went through are meaningless in it. That's not the Jesus we know. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's not the Jesus that we believe in. That is also why that's considered heresy from these early creeds, councils that the church had. And I think it's important that we hold all these together. So again, we're talking about where's Jesus from? What is his nature? What is not his nature? So far, what we covered with the heresies, but later we're going to look at what is his nature. If he's not any of these things, he's not someone who was born human who later became God at adoption because of the baptism. He's not the good that's fighting the evil in this dualistic kind of world. He's not someone who is 100% God and 100% man. He's someone who's fully both at the same time, not two separate natures but two natures that are one nature at the same time. He doesn't have just, he wasn't just God embodied in a human. He wasn't just God and human with only a divine will. He was something more than all of this. What more? Hang in there. We'll get to it. When we talk about the Nicene and Athanasian creeds later, I think they say it perfectly. So I'm just going to quote those at the end of this episode, spoiler alert, I guess for now, let's let's look at some of the, um, the more, more practical stuff, what I've experienced personally and how that kind of paints my beliefs in all this. I only have one nature. I myself, I, even though I might have mind, body, soul, spirit, you know, all these different parts that make up me, I'm just me. So it's hard for me to wrap my mind around something that had multiple natures that were also the same combined, you know, with this two in one fully God, fully man, because I'm just fully man. And that's all that I have capacity for. And for me to imagine someone who was fully man and fully God, sometimes it's, it's hard to, um, it's hard not to think of that as, okay, so he was everything I am, but also God as two different things that just happen to be in one place. But that's not what I'm about. That would be two separate wills. That would be that heresy we mentioned earlier. He was fully man and at the same time, fully God, two natures, one person, two wills, one person, the human subject to the divine, all in one. And yeah, man, that's complicated. And that's something that I cannot for the life of me understand because that is not my experience as a human who is just fully human. I've experienced salvation though, right? So it's hard for me not to believe in some kind of sovereignty not believe in Jesus's divinity. You know, when I'm thinking of who Jesus is, I, I'm always going to be thinking of who he is to me, how he is in my heart, how he changed my life. My belief in him has completely ratified who I could be, the sinner, this evil, loathsome man that I am. Instead, if I'm a man who experiences mercy and grace and tries to extend that to others as part of the body of Christ, all of who I am, my whole identity, it's wrapped up in my belief in Jesus divinity. So, yeah, I'm going to have a bias. I'm going to like look at all these things and think, yeah, no, Jesus has to be fully god. He can't just be a man who was wise cuz how like it just it doesn't add up to the spiritual experiences that I've had. It it adds up to, you know, I could see where a person who was just a man made so much difference in this world. We can look to all kinds of heroes and figures out history who made a huge impact. Martin Luther King um, you know, we just we could go through person after person after person who made a huge impact in the world, Albert Einstein, right? But none had such a personal spiritual effect on me as Jesus did. So it's hard for me to do anything but then to start with Jesus was divine and then go, and then what? How was he also human? So my mindset is always going to start with this is God, now what? Because that's my experience. Um, And, you know, I grew up knowing about some of these heresies, hearing about all this. So, of course, I always have a bias of like, yeah, no, these things are wrong because I've always heard they were wrong. But I think it's important that I still, even with that, take the time to think of like adoptionism. You know, it does make sense that Jesus grew. What does that mean that he was corrected by his parents to not just say because I was taught this was a heresy? It's a heresy and not think about it, but to think of why is it a heresy or to think. What if it's not? What if we were wrong this whole time and really consider it on my own and come to my beliefs on my own, something I need to do, which is hard to do when you're told this is heresy your whole world. That's like your whole life. You don't know what heresy means necessarily, but you know, that means it's wrong. So yeah, that paints a lot of how I view and how I think about these things. Um, I think a lot of people have felt things happen in their life that had to be fate or something, and that makes it easier to believe in God's sovereignty, that God had a plan and that plan, including Jesus, makes sense for a lot of us. You know, perhaps though, perhaps we're afraid this, this when we're coming to like the birth and how we understand the birth. I think one reason we have a hard time thinking, it, we have an easy time thinking of Jesus of Bethlehem. He's sovereign over my life. He has all these plans. He's all these things. I've seen fate unfold. Sometimes I think it's harder for us to think of Jesus of Nazareth, who was a foreigner, who was someone from outside who came in, who was from a poorer family. Right. We think we, I think it's a lot of times it's hard to think of Jesus, the refugee, easy to think of Jesus, the king. But I think we have to hold these two ideas that we're going to see in tension together to fully understand Jesus's background, who he is, and then think about what does that mean about who he is to us? And it's, of course, it's again, for everything, everybody probably has a hard time trying to relate to or understand a, a being that's not only fully what we are, but also fully something else. Because it's hard when you see something as something else to not just think of it as other So it's weird, we have this tension where it's easy to think of Jesus as king, but also hard to think of him as other because that doesn't make sense, right? Like it's hard to think of him as other as other than human without thinking that he's only God, only king. Sometimes we have to understand him not only as the divine, not only as the king, but also as the human child, as the human who can relate to us, as the human who's one of us, but also was a refugee that we need to care for. Um, I think that's why we see in the Bible when we get to, you know, it talks about like the end times that when you come up and God's like, I don't even know you. I was poor. You didn't feed me. Right. I was without clothes. You didn't clothe me. All those things that we see Jesus talking about when people come to the end they're like, well, we didn't see you. Yeah, you did. Well, that's because I think we miss some of this. We miss that Jesus was human. That He was was cold. Sometimes he was hungry. He was a child. He got corrected from his parents. He might have been discipled by John the Baptist, depending on your views on that. I think we lose the humanity of Jesus, even if we have the correct theology, I think sometimes practically we forget what it means that Jesus was a human and what it means that at the end of the day is we're going to be told, yeah, you, you fed me, you clothed me, or no, you didn't based on how we treat the other, the other humans in our lives that aren't us, that maybe are from outside of our circles that are refugees or poor or hungry. How we treat the other is how we treat Jesus because Jesus was the other. And yet he was also fully human and had the same experience as us and the same temptations as us, how we understand all of this mentally and practically sometimes are different. Sometimes we, we have all the right words. We have all the right beliefs, but we forget practically at the end of the day, I saw the hungry person and I either fed Jesus or I didn't. And I think practically, even if we have the right belief, we don't fully grasp what that means in our day-to-day lives. And it's a hard thing to grasp. It, it truly is hard to grasp Jesus as human, and Jesus as other. I don't know why. It's a lot easier to grasp him as king and sovereign, but we have to also get the human and other part of Jesus. We look at the Bible, um, you know, again, you have two different places. You have the book of Matthew and Luke teaching the story where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but you also have Mark and John talking about Jesus being born of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. And what does this mean? You know, that's when the Bible has these two different narratives. Why does Matthew tell the story of Jesus at Bethlehem? Because it's important to realize that he was from the lineage of David, where the prophets and and the psalmist even, the psalm says there will always be someone from the line of David on the throne. Well, here, if Jesus is truly king and Jesus was truly born in his lineage and as proof of that went to Bethlehem during a census, then we see that, yeah, there's always someone on the throne from David's lineage, and that is Jesus, the king. So not only is it showing that God didn't forget his people and David and the lineage. But it also shows Jesus is king. That's why this story is so important of Jesus at Bethlehem, not just because, oh, the baby in a waddling manger, you know, whatever, but because, no, Jesus is king. That is why we need to understand that story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Um, even though there's no real evidence that there was a census um, in Bethlehem or anything like that, you know, there was no Roman census that we can read about or find in history at all at this time. But I think the story, whether real or not, whether this was just analogous or whether this had literally happened, it's important to know that Jesus was from David's lineage, that Jesus is king, not just because he's God, but also because he is God's chosen. Both of those need to rest in the story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, and it's important for us to grasp that. But also, the Bible does say he's of Nazareth. Maybe, and you know, there's no evidence of this census. Maybe he was never born in Bethlehem. Maybe that story was just to get us thinking about Jesus, the King. Now we have to think of these other stories, Mark and John, Jesus of Nazareth. What is Nazareth? This nobody town in Galilee this fishing town that nobody cares about the poor, the other, we have to remember Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the refugee, Jesus who came from somewhere that no one would have expected him from came from somewhere that maybe a lot of us wouldn't have cared about, or we would have said, Hey, they can feed their own. Why are they taking our jobs? We also have to understand Jesus of Nazareth. So this Christmas time, this Christmas spirit time, whether you believe Jesus was born in Nazarene, because that's where he's told in two of the books of the Bible. And a lot of our other books outside of the Bible talk about a Jesus of Nazareth. You use that and you say he must have born born in Nazarene. And the other story must not be literal. You still have to take both of these stories and understand Jesus as King Jesus is other, if you're going to say the Bible says he's from Bethlehem and never says anything about where he was born in Nazarene, they were just saying of Nazareth and the Bible says Bethlehem. So it absolutely was Bethlehem, no matter what. Okay, cool. Good for you. You still have to take away Jesus was king, but Jesus was also other. He was also refugee and you have to have those two ideas in tension, hold them. And I think regardless of where you stand on the actual debate of where was Jesus born, you need. Both of these ideas in your Christology and your understanding of who Jesus is and how we treat others. We need to understand Jesus is sovereign and Jesus is the hungry and the other in our community. Jesus in the Bible, he's called God's son, but he's also referred to as God himself. Biblically, if you're going to believe the Bible, he is God. Jesus is God. John argues directly against Nazism several times. We mentioned that earlier. The Bible describes Jesus' physical death, you know, someone touching the side. So, so all of these things that are heresies, aren't just heresies because of that. It's also their heresies because it goes against the Bible. Some of these beliefs came up before we canonize the Bible, but the church has come together with the spirit of God in the authority of the Holy spirit to say, here's who Jesus is. Here's who he's not. Here is the canon of scripture. Here's what's not the canon of scripture. Um, we can argue if when Martin Luther changed the, the canon of scripture for Protestants, if that was right. But we know at least the stuff that the Protestants consider the Bible is absolutely the Bible. Maybe those other stuff that the Catholic and Orthodox are also the Bible. Maybe Martin Luther got it wrong. But when we see the whole council together under the authority of the Holy Spirit to say that this is scripture, I think we have to take that with weight and say things that contradict this are outside of scripture. And for me, a humble single person to disagree with an entire council, the whole church. No, man. No, I think we have to go submit to the authority of the church and say, this is who Jesus is. This is what the Bible says about him. And that's where I'm just going to read part of a couple of these creeds. So first, I'm looking at the Nicene Creed. Um, and then later, we're going to look at, um, at the, the Council of um, Athanasia. We're going to look at that creed as well. But starting with the Niocene Creed, I, w- I want to read a section from this creed. And this is something that I, I will recite and that I believe in wholeheartedly. So I'm not just reading this. I'm also saying, this is what I believe. You know, a lot of times I just leave you with question. I don't tell you what I believe personally. This is what I believe. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God, born of father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made consubstantial with the father through him. All things were made Again, here we go. The Athanasian Creed. I think this is just as important. You know, a lot of times we talk about the Nicene Creed. We might leave the Athanasian Creed out, but I think this is just important because, again, it's combating these heresies, these other ideas of who Jesus might have been and saying, no, this is who Jesus is. And I think our disagreement, the things we might not completely be 100% unsure, if it falls within this, we can say this together. Let's disagree. Let's have these conversations. I'm just a dummy. I'm open to you being right. But let's start with these creeds where the whole church came together and agreed because I think these are from the Holy Spirit. I think these are correct teaching. So, Athanasian Creed, here we go. Again, this is something that I personally believe, not just me reading. This is also something that I will admit to being true in my own belief. Although he, talking about Jesus, although he is God and human, yet Christ is not two, but one. He is one, however, not by his divinity being turned into flesh, but by God's taking humanity to himself. He is one, certainly not by the blending of his essence, but by the unity of his person. For just as one human is both rational soul and flesh, so too one Christ is both God and human. He suffered for our salvation. He descended to hell. He arose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the Father's right hand. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. At his coming, the people will arise boldly and give an accounting of their own deeds. Those who have done good, will enter eternal life, and those who have done evil will enter eternal fire. I don't know when I talk about heaven or hell what I believe about the about eternity. You know, I don't know if I think that there's a true heaven or a true hell. I do think Jesus is fully man, fully human, fully God. He descended to hell, rose from the dead, went up to heaven, whatever that might mean. I don't know what heaven is. I don't know what hell is, but I know that he also comes to judge Not only to bring our salvation, but to judge where we are now. I believe one day we'll all be brought into Christ, back back into God, into a salvation. When we talk about what is eternal life, what is eternal fire, I don't know. I don't know what those terms mean. What I do know is the rest of this creed, what it says about our salvation, who Jesus is, what he came to do. Yeah, that's from the Holy Spirit, and that is is correct. It is true. So I'm wrapping all of this stuff up together. What are we going to believe? Do we believe that Jesus was born from Bethlehem? Do we believe he was from Nazarene? Do we think of Jesus the king or do we think of Jesus the refugee? Or can we think of both? Do we think of Jesus having one nature, both God and man together? Do we think of him as two separate natures? How do we understand what it means to be fully God and fully human? As what's stated in the Council of Chalcedon. Chalcedon? I don't know. I don't know how to say things, guys. Again, dummy. Dummy for theology, not smarty for theology. And if Jesus could learn and grow. He was able to, as a child, learn to grow, to be corrected, to be taught. When he met John the Baptist, he was a disciple. If those things are true, does that imply that Jesus was human before he was baptized or does that imply that God can change and grow? Or is there some other explanation for that? These are important things for us to think about surely, but also this Christmas spirit, Christmas time, we must think of St. Nicholas, Santa Claus himself. There is a myth. That at the Council of Nicaea, we 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 earlier we, just a minute ago, I quoted the uh, the Nicaean Creed. At this council, where they came up with the creed, Saint Nick was there, and it said that when someone named Arius pronounced a heresy, Saint Nick got up and punched the guy in the face, was thrown in jail, was broken out from angels, and that's how he was sainted. There's absolutely no evidence to say this was true. The story didn't come around to like hundreds of years afterwards. I mean, it is—it's a fun story where Saint Nicholas was so passionate about this because you think he was at the Nicene Creed, he was discussing who is Jesus. This is the fundamental Christmas question: Who is Jesus? And someone comes up and says, "Nah, man, he wasn't—he wasn't really human. And he was this or something that that would enable that would mean that the story wasn't about our salvation, but was rather a story just of a good guy. It was rather a story of God taking on flesh, but not necessarily God being human and having the full experience. He was questioning the character of Jesus, he was questioning the fundamental doctrine of salvation, and Saint Nick was so passionate about what he believed, he punched the guy in the face. Now, whether or not the story is true, I think there is something to take away from old Saint Nick here, that it's important that we are passionate, that we believe deeply and care about these questions, that we care about the character of Jesus, that we don't just go, I don't understand it, shrug it off. I think it's important to be passionate about understanding and wrestling with these questions of who Jesus was. What does that mean for me? What does it mean that he was king? What does it mean that he was a refugee? What does it mean that he was fully God, fully man and not two separate beings and not just one will or one being? What does it mean that he was fully man, fully God, two natures, one nature, two, sorry, two natures in one, two wills in one, the human subject to the divine in the person that is Jesus Christ, the embodied God, the embodied son of God, both at once. What do these questions mean? Yeah, man, it's confusing. I don't have a straightforward answer. I am passionate about it. I think you should be too. Maybe not punching people in the face but maybe passionate enough to punch people in the face. You just, just don't actually do it. You know, you don't want to be thrown in jail. Cause then we have to get into angelology and whether angels would break you out of jail. Is that something an angel would do? I don't know. Maybe that'll be the next episode next year. We'll talk about angelology for Christmas at Dummy for Theology. But this year, I want to think about What does it mean to be as passionate as Saint Nick? What does it mean to understand Jesus's birth and his character? These are the things I want us to think about. So now again, we're full circle. We're going back to our three takeaway questions. You know, these questions are wrestling with our different doctrines, right? What, this impacts our Christology, obviously, but it also impacts what we believe about salvation It impacts what we think about the character of God. Can God change? You know, it impacts what we think about salvation. What does it mean to be saved from Jesus? If he wasn't fully God, what does it mean to be saved from Jesus? If he didn't have that fully human experience, could he be our sacrifice? So yeah, when we think about these things, we're thinking about questions of salvation of Christology of systematic theology proper. We're thinking about all of these deeper things. When we think about this and these are the three practical questions I want us to all walk away with. Again, have a lot of clear answers for you but i do think these questions are important for us to wrestle with and think about so number one how do you understand jesus as both king and as foreigner and how does this information how does this inform your relation to god and to others number two how does your view of jesus's divinity impact our view of salvation and adoption into god's family you know the bible says we are adopted into the family of god through jesus his son when the son of god enters our heart, we are then also adopted into God's family. So when we think about was Jesus adopted, was Jesus always God? What does this mean for our other views of what it means to be saved, to be adopted into God's family? You know, or what is the character of God be, Jesus being full human, fully divine? What does that mean when I think about me being adopted into that same family? So how does your view of Jesus's divinity impact your view of salvation and adoption into God's family? Number three, how passionate are you about the character of Jesus? Are you passionate about these things or do you just shrug it off as something you can't understand and oh well? So let's get back from the top. Number one, how do you understand Jesus as both king and foreigner? And how does this inform your relation to God and others? Number two, how does your view of Jesus's divinity impact your view of salvation and adoption into God's family? Number three, how passionate are you about the character of Jesus? Guys, I really hope these questions help you this Christmas season to think about Jesus a little bit deeper and to really wrestle with what Christmas means to you. With that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this one up, guys. I hope you're all just as confused as I am, that you're inspired to study these great theologians, these councils and you know creeds deeper, and um, keep going on this topic in your own faith journey, wrestling with it. Thank you all so much for joining this dummy on my journey to learn more about God and to love him better. I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas, and I hope this has encouraged you to worship God in your own thinking, And, of course, to keep on struggling. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you'd like to check out other shows like this, be sure to subscribe to the network.